Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, so if you don't know me, let me introduce myself quickly. I am Nikki Nellis. I've been covering the food and wine scene for the last 18 years. You may hear me on WTOP radio doing groundups and trend reports. You definitely hear me with my husband, David, doing Foodie and the Beast, celebrating 12 years on air on 1500, the food and wine variety show, the only food and wine variety show uh, in the D.C. area. And you probably follow me on social at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But where you probably know me from the most is online. The list, areyouonit.com, the online e-zine that lists every food and wine event happening in the D.C. metro area, every opening, every coming soon, and uh, every promotion. Now, on May 10th, our D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser announced that the city would lift all capacity limits on restaurants on Friday, May 21st. And bars, nightclubs, and live entertainment venues can return to normal on June 11th. Now that is a huge shift and it is fabulous, fabulous news. Um, but there are rules, people. Not all restaurants are ready and they're not all opening up their doors and they all don't have employees. So my recommendation is to be patient and be kind. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But first I wanna talk about where I've been eating. So I popped into Revelers Hour and they are back open. This is from the team of Tail Up Goat. They opened like a month and a half before the pandemic. And I just have to say, the wine list is incredible. The pastas are delicious. And there is such a commitment there to seasonal cooking. Fava beans and ramps and fresh asparagus, all delicious. I also sat outside at St. Anselm's in the Union Market District. Steven Starr knows how to do it right. Um, great service. The outdoor design space is amazing. And if you haven't had that cookie, you should get the cookie. That was, um, I should have had two cookies. That's how good that was. And there are new places to eat. Of course, you can find this all in the list, areyouonit.com. Jose Andre has opened up his Spanish diner in Bethesda. The Green Almond Pantry suffered a devastating fire in Shaw, but they are now reopened in Georgetown. And Caruso's, the new Matt Adler NRG partnership is opening its doors at the Roost. So lots of great eating to be had all over town. And there are so many hospitality related events, but I got a show to do. So when Wolfgang Puck announced that he was going to open a cut steakhouse in the Rosewood Hotel a few years back, there was a usual foodie backlash. Oh, another steakhouse. DC is known as a steaktown. Why do we need another steakhouse? But here's the thing. DC has the moniker of a steakhouse, but we don't have a lot of steakhouses. And actually, we don't have a lot of good steakhouses. So when Cut opened, there was a collective sigh that a hip and hospitable steakhouse had opened, but then there was a fire. And then the bridge, was still out and then there was a pandemic. So Cut suffered multiple problems in opening, but now they are back opened. And on with me today is chef Andrew Scala. And he has introduced me to the very fabulous Angel 
Gregorio. Now she is the founder and owner of the Spice Suite, which is community-centric spice boutique. It's in Tacoma Park. They work together. So we're gonna talk about community relationships and some spicy relationships as well. But first, as I mentioned, DC is opening back up and uh, there's a lot of questions to be had. And joining me as always is Kathy Hollinger from the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. Kathy, thanks so much. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions, but we should all be standing up and applauding, right? Absolutely. I mean, this is a day so many have been waiting for and everyone stayed diligent. Everyone was steady. Everybody was as patient as they could possibly be. But yes, uh, Nikki, you know, Mayor Bowser announced these huge changes um, and starting Friday, May 21st, restaurants can operate at 100% capacity and all COVID-19 restrictions currently in place will be lifted on that date. Um, Does that include out, mask yeah. wearing? Include no. mask wearing? I okay. was just going to say to you that outside of mask mandates, um, that everything else has been restricted. I mean, has been lifted in terms of restrictions. Then you mm -hmm. also have bars and nightlife. I mean, that nightclubs are going to be Begin to operate at 50% capacity on the 21st and then full in June, which is another huge, huge step that's leaps forward. But mm -hmm. Nikki, you know what I will say, um, just because all, all restrictions are lifted, everyone is going to have to decide what they feel comfortable doing. And rather than looking at this news, if anyone is, I hope they are not as a burden, they need to think about it from the standpoint of you right now have your autonomy back to operate your restaurants the way that you feel is best to operate. If you wanna keep social distancing in place, you have every right to, but the restrictive piece of it and the government mandate piece of it is lifted. Right, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, I it's, it, it was a little bit of whiplash, you know, from the community uh, for us uh, for years, so to speak. You know, there was all of like, what's happening with the mayor? Why aren't we opening? What, you know, why is this taking so long? You know, Virginia and Maryland, they're all doing their thing. And now we're here. And then of course, are people are like, well, uh, uh, I'm not ready. So what are some of the things that people are, are sort of coming to RMW for? How are you addressing some of the issues that are out there? Yes, you know, I mean, I think the biggest issue, and we have talked about this a lot, you and I, is staffing in general. We know that that's a huge challenge for many to hire back and hire back as you are reopening further. I mean, that's, that is the biggest. And we are, you know, working with many of our partners like Carlos Rosario, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, Events DC, the other chambers to really think about a very soon uh, job fair, but also mm. parallel to that, really creating a digital platform that is connecting operators to prospects, um, because we know that's a really big challenge. We also know that 
you know, there have been many operators who at 25% occupancy, they weren't even open for indoor. So mm -hmm. this is also their opportunity to figure out, you know, maybe they want to start at 50% or 70%, but a lot of work has to be done in the weeks to come to get their teams in place. And we know that that is the biggest challenge. Right. I think to me, the messaging that's most important, you know, the lay people, there are the lovers of the food industry, right? The diners, the people who call themselves foodies. But there is also the understanding of the business of the hospitality industry. And it's not like you can just hire people off the street and they can serve the food. There is training and, and education and hospitality. I mean, not just knowing what's on the menu and what things cost and understanding the point of sale systems. I mean, it is it is a job and it's not just something anybody can just walk into and pick up. So I, there, I, to me, I feel like there needs to be massive education to the public to be kind and be patient and recognize that, yes, yeah, some restaurants are just going to open and it is what it is. And some are going to take their time, but it's, it's really going to be on us. You as the, uh, with the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington has been this incredible communicator to your members, the restaurants, but also to the public. And there was all about being kind to restaurants and, and supporting restaurants. I just don't want another pendulum swing where people like forgot. Yeah, remember supporting restaurants? We're not going to do that. We're right. going to bitch about, we're going to bitch about restaurants. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. I think that, you know, one thing that is, um, that is clear is that, you know, the, there are still guidelines that will be in place for the public. And while these restrictions are being lifted, they're being lifted for businesses, but they are not necessarily being lifted. And we will know more um, in the days to come when the mayor's order and language is actually uh, comes out in detail. But, you know, individuals are going to have to restrict themselves based on safety in a variety of reasons and activities and ways and and whether they've been vaccinated or not and we have to remember that we are just starting rebuild so this is the first step for people to know that we are taking steps to some level of new normalcy and mm -hmm. it's going to take time um so no, people should not be panicked where they have to dial up immediately. No, nobody can dial up immediately. I mean, we had 300 students in culinary programs in DC that were ready to graduate this year and be hired by restaurants in DC. All of that had to stop. It's a much more complex issue where, you know, now we're going to restart those programs. We're going to mm -hmm. reimagine those programs and it's going to be a long road, but we're, we're going to get there. I mean, we got through the worst of it. Listen, last March, we are in May, mm -hmm. a little over a year. We have shut down completely, reopened, start and stop, start and stop. We are vaccinated and it's May and we're reopening. It sounds crazy long, but in some ways, Nick, a lot has happened. We should all feel very good about that. I, um, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, it's been a crazy year plus plus, um, and we've all been through all the emotions, the highs and the lows, the thinking it's over and knowing that it's not. And now we're at this like real amazing point. The vaccinations to me are like life-changing. Like it, it changes my perspective entirely. Um, so I don't know why people don't want them, but that's on that's on you. That's another yeah. show. Uh, yeah. 
but yeah, no, I'm with you. It's, it's, we're almost full circle or beyond the full circle. And, uh, we can start walking off the circle now, I think, which is great and seeing what the new normal looks like. And, uh, you know, for the hospitality industry, you know, they need to do what's best for them. And I guess my begging to patrons is to, to be kind and to be patient and know that it's not going to happen overnight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nick. I think that's the biggest message, right? Continue to right. be kind and be a, like really play a role in healing of our community as we go forward. Exactly. So now, Kath, I got just two minutes left with you. Um, tell me, I mean, you have been running and gunning. You and your team have been nonstop, literally for a year plus plus. Yep. Do you get to take a break? Now, do you get to focus on like the real, like the new priorities, like what you should be working on instead of some pandemic? Like, what does it look like for you and the team? Yes, I think most importantly, what it looks like starting June 1 is the entire team will be back together and we Yay. will be in our offices. Um, some of us were in and out of the office, but not as a full team. So everyone is very much looking forward to that. We're, we're right downtown. So we want to be a part of, you know, dying downtown to pull people back into the city and come back as we reopen further. But, you know, Nick, I think the big thing is that we are going back to our um, lines of programming where they may look very different, but we are now going to focus on what are the tools and resources that need to be put in place as we look at this industry, not just today, but over the next 10 years in terms of growth, trending, technology, um, to be able to get back to our core lines of programming, get the team back to uh, getting out of rapid response and more thoughtful collaboration and education and information to our members. Um, we have a lot to look forward to. Listen, we have the Rammies that are happening, which is huge and more to come there. But just to think that we can do something where we're pulling everyone together to celebrate what we all came off of. We have a lot to look forward to, but we will for sure be redirecting back into a resource rich organization to an industry of amazing operators. That's incredible. And I, I look forward to that and for that, for you and for the team who work so hard. Kathy Hollinger, Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington. Thanks so much for joining me today. This is Nikki Nellis on Industry Night. I'll be back in just a sec. It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks again for joining me here on Real Fun DC. That's at M-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Not really Facebook. I don't like Facebook, but I do like Instagram and Twitter. So you can follow me there and all around. So as I said at the beginning of the show, DC has this moniker as a steakhouse town and there's always this like collective like from the foodie community because they're like right can't somebody do something other than steak but here's the weird part there are not a lot of steakhouses in this town and they're not a lot of good ones but now we do have a good one uh and that is uh cut 
Steakhouse. It's by Wolfgang Puck. And, you know, Wolfgang Puck did not come down to D.C. and be like, here is a steakhouse. What Wolfgang Puck did is he opened up the source. It was an original, unique concept that he did in the D.C. market that really sort of created a love affair with D.C. and Wolfgang Puck. Scott Trineau opened the source. Um, everybody loves Scott. And so when Wolfgang went to open up a steakhouse, it wasn't met with as much sort of judgment because he sort of already proved that he understood the D.C. market. But cut, man, did it have problems. It was gorgeous. It's in the Rosewood Hotel. But there was a fire very soon after opening. And the bridge was out on the street of the hotel. So you could not get to it easily. And then, as we all know, there was a pandemic. So um, yeah, not a lot of fun for Cut opening up during this period in time. Uh, but what I love is, is I have chef, executive chef um, Andrew Scala joining me today. He's going to talk about all the trials and tribulations of Cut opening. But he has also introduced me to Angel Gregorio. She is from the Spice Suite, and I've gone down a total rabbit hole on who this woman is and what she's doing. Um, and we're going to talk with her because they collaborate together. And I love when there are collaborations in this city. It's unlike any other city in the country. So it's great. So, Chef, hi. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So let's get into a little bit of background on you. Where'd you come from? How'd you wind up here in DC? So I've been Wolfgang for quite a while, over 12 years. Um, and here in DC, when Wolfgang decided he wanted to open up this property, he tapped me on the shoulder. I was in New York City at the time. And he said he wanted to do something a little different. You know, the Cut brand has been around for a minute, like you said. And um, you know, it was time for a change and, and I really wanted to be a part of it. So I was really excited about that. So, um, you know, when, when he decided to, to say, okay, let's, let's do DC, um, I, I took the time and spent a lot of time. I came down here immediately and first off to just traveled around the mid Atlantic. Um, that was the first thing I did, you know, really decided to, to kind of involve myself with what's happening here in the community and the chefs in the DC are so welcoming. You know, I know some of them from previous and just getting to know um, everybody here is just, it was, it was really great. And then I started building relationships. You know, I got the opportunity to, to drive up the coast, to go up to Pennsylvania, to go over to a Virginia and, and really understand like how much is available to us here. And it's, it's really fantastic what we have here as chefs um, in the DC community to, to be able to create things here for, for guests, for customers, for people that come in and want to dine. Well, how did you, before we get into all the issues that befell the restaurant, how were you using these relationships? Like, what were you looking for? Because like, if you were up in New York, you have the Hudson Valley, which is rich sure. with resources. But the Mid-Atlantic, you know, between, you're right, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia. I mean, we are just surrounded by, you know, aquaculture and agriculture and, um an agribusiness uh, that is really local and really providing some great products. Um, how did you go about uh, fleshing those out and creating those relationships? I mean, it's really a one-on-one. -on -one. You got to make the connection with with the farmer themselves or, or the fishermen, and and take that time and drive a couple hours here or there and and have a conversation. Go walk the, you know, whatever they're growing, the land, or go out and, and see the boat stuff coming off and, 
and get to know them as an individual and, and where they're coming from and where they started and why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, you would be really surprised the commonalities and the passion that comes out when you have a conversation and, you know, you start someplace and you, after this, you end up in a totally different place and um, being able to build that relationship and, and that gap. And for me, I'm able to really um, learn a lot and, and bring that what, what, what I've learned from talking to them and, and really explain that to um, my team here, but also be able to put that conversation on a plate and say, you know, I'm going to bridge that gap between what they're telling me and how they're growing and their philosophy and, and how they're doing what they're doing. Cause it's really hard work too. And, and try to mm -hmm. bridge that gap to the actual to the customer that comes in. Well, and I think it's so important given what these small farmers have really gone through in the last year. Um, but let's back up a little bit. You know, maybe not everybody has dined at Cut. I mean, I had my first meal at Cut LA years ago. Um, so can we talk a little bit about sort of the original Cut, what the style of restaurant is and how uh, pre-pandemic you guys, you and, you know, Alec Bresnick and, and Wolfgang, you know, sort of uh, structured the restaurant to fit into DC? Yeah, the Cut brand, like you said, it's been around um, for a while in LA. It's, you know, Wolfgang created this, this steakhouse. So, you know, a luxury steakhouse. Um, and, you know, it's focused around, you know, bringing in fantastic, um, you know, cuts of beef and, and really taking what a steakhouse was and elevating it to something different. So, you know, like I said, when we decided to open this particular property up, um, we, we, went a different direction and we focused more on the community and, and making sure that we're more of a neighborhood restaurant that does not have a lot of you know massive amounts of cuts on the steaks on the menu and and more vegetables and more seafood and, and things that rotate a little bit more seasonally and um you know really kind of focus on people that are living here and, and the georgetown area and and really kind of tailoring it that to make sure that this is you know a place that they can go and enjoy and have great hospitality and, and really kind of have comfort here. And I, were there things that you uh, specifically put on the menu to appeal to the neighborhood, not so much to the people who would come in for special occasion dining, but like, mm -hmm. you know, Georgetown is a very specific neighborhood and they eat in their hood, you know? So, um, was there things that you thought, oh, we need to get like this kind of stuff on the menu so that we can appeal to the locals, the legit locals, not like Nikki Nellis coming in from Kensington local? <laughs> yeah, sure. I think, I think that bridging the, the partnerships with, you know, people want to make sure that they support um, local products. And I think that's an important value. Um, and I think a lot of things that I wanted to do was 100% geared toward that direction. And I think that focused on the Georgetown locals and saying, you know what, we're going to source beef from Virginia. We're going to source produce from, um, you know, Pennsylvania and products from the mid-Atlantic, um, you know, maybe up in Maryland. And I think that people wanted to come and eat like that here and enjoyed knowing that they had a, a place to come to in Georgetown that was able to provide this forum in, you know, a, a setting like this to where we have, you know, a great restaurant inside, you know, the hotel right along the Tino Canal is um, able to, you know, come and enjoy in, in an environment like this. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about what you went through in the last year. Cause I mean, how long was the restaurant open before the fire happened? About two months. 
two and a half months. So not, not a long time, you know, we had a little electrical malfunction and we're forced to shut down. Um, and then, like you said, you know, we had the bridge and then COVID. And so there were a lot of challenges for us to overcome and navigate through. And, um, you know, we had a lot of support with the community and people that, you know, wanted to um, continue to, um, you know, come here. And, you know, like most restaurants and businesses, we had to shift hugely in different directions. And we really built a takeout program like um, others. And we used platforms like Talk to, to really try to get what cut was and what we started with and, um, you know, continue to build and not waver from what the philosophy was of this restaurant and try to offer that into someone else's home and put it into a box that you can take home and enjoy um, in the comfort of your home. I know, but I think what's really interesting is, and I'd love to hear, have you talk about this a little bit. It's really hard when you're doing an upscale dining, fine dining cuisine to put it in a box, especially steak, right? So, you know, if you're tweezering dishes and things like that, <laughs> that does not translate to a box. And especially, I mean, listen, Cut's not a cheap restaurant. Obviously it shouldn't be, you know, we're dealing with very high quality things. How do you, what did you and your team do to translate it into to go? Because some people did it fabulously and some people did it angrily. Some people were like, my food doesn't belong in a box. I don't want it there. I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. No, we wanted to make sure that, like I said, offer as much as we could to try to bring that experience home with you. And it was it's down to the details. I really think we made it personal. We, we hand wrote notes making sure that people understood that, you know, we really thank them for the support and we signed them and we made sure that each box individually was of high quality and that the product you were getting was as best as it could be um, in the restaurant here and, and gave them instructions of how to properly reheat it if they wanted to reheat it at a later time and how to plate it up um, as best as they could in the, in, in their home. And, you know, we, we, we brought some of the, you know, barrel-aged cocktails that we do here, and we, we brought those to the table and said, you know, you can enjoy these here. Some of the higher-end cuts that we provide here, like even like the tomahawk and the Peking duck, which has been widely popular as one of our um, packages, um, you know, being able to have those in the comfort of your home and say, you know what, I can get an experience, um, you know, from cuts and, and still try to um, enjoy it in, in my home, um, you know, that's, we, we decided to make sure that we tried to keep those details intact. And so now that we're, we have about two minutes before the break, now that we're about to shift again, right? And uh, we're getting closer to reopening, thankfully, um, as Kathy Hollinger and I just discussed, you know, the rollout of opening will be different for each restaurant just because the mayor says we can do it doesn't mean everybody has to do it. Everybody can do it at their own pace and time. What does that look like for cut? And how does that affect your to-go program? Because that's kitchen space, valuable kitchen space. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's huge news that we're relaxing everything right now. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone, um, you know, all the restaurants throughout DC and maybe across the country are, are feeling it right now. Um, and we're excited, we're really excited to you know, bring bring more people and bring more guests to come and experience, and we're going to handle it comfortably. Um, you know, we're going to make sure that we're on our own pace here, and we're able to give people the same experience. And you know, some people, um, you know, do we want to open up the floodgates 100% right off the bat? I think we have to do it smart um, and make sure that we are able to do it in a way that 
yes, people um, will be able to come in and, and still get the same experience with great hospitality um, while we, you know, continue to um, evolve and, and open more things up as time goes on. Well, I think you bring up a great point. Uh, hospitality is the key. And while everybody and their brother sung the praises of the restaurant industry during the pandemic, I, my concern is the pendulum swing. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure, everybody was like, support your restaurants. It's so important. And then, you know, they're going to go into a restaurant that may be open too quickly or doesn't have enough staff. And then they're going to be like, where's my food? Or why is it so slow in here? Or I'm going on Yelp. Like, my concern is, is that people will not be kind and patient. That, that there is going to be, I feel like I, I feel like like I have to beat the drums for everybody to be kind and patient with the restaurants as we begin the renewal of uh, yeah. going in. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Th thank you for beating that drum. You know, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a fine balance. It is. It's, it's really, it's a tough line to kind of teeter on and say, you know what? Yes, we want to open the doors and and you know bring everybody in, but. At the same time, you, you have to have a, a backbone and you have to be able to keep the integrity of the restaurant, the integrity of what we do and, and my staff does um, to make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to get that, that experience that you're coming in here for. And that's important to us. Well, that I, I agree with you 100%. Okay, Chef, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, yeah. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about Spice Sweet with uh, Angel Gregorio. This is Nikki Nellis, Industry Night on Real Fun DC. I'll be back in just a sec. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis, Real Fun DC. <sighs> Serving up thought for food. Now back to Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. And we're back on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis on Real Fun DC. Don't forget to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, you can subscribe and listen to all the Industry Nights. Um, last week, we did a really incredible show. Um, we had the guys from Yes, Another Podcast, which actually follow this show, and you should totally check them out. And we talked with the two women behind Empowering the Diner. They are doing some incredible events, and you really should check out what they're doing, uh, because what is happening uh, in the hospitality industry is shifting and changing, and this is a moment, and it's very exciting. So check out that show as well. Okay. And now I'm really excited because I'm meeting somebody that I did not know before, but now I can't wait to make her my very, very best friend in the entire world. Um, Angel Gregorio, she, um, she has a very interesting background. She uh, has her master's uh, in psychology from Howard. She was a teacher. Um, and now she is this incredible entrepreneur with this amazing store. She's in Tacoma Park. Um, Angel, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is cool. I'm excited to meet you too. Okay. Well, now you have to be excited because I said I'm excited, but that's okay. Um, so let's start with you. Let's get just a quick 411 about your background and, um, you know, going to Howard, undergrad, grad, and teaching. Let's hear a little bit about that. Yep. So I am a Washington, D.C. native, born and raised mm -hmm. in Northwest D.C., actually a few blocks away from my spice shop. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I went to Howard to get degrees in psychology. I thought I wanted to be a therapist and I realized I don't really like listening to people talk. So <laughs> I couldn't do that. Um, but I did realize that I do love little people and I love children. And so I started teaching um, actually at a youth jail um, for young people who are incarcerated in DC. Um, and that was really special to me because I have two brothers serving life in prison. So I always wanted to kind of be in a space where I could um, serve young people and it not be out of pity or charity, but it really came from a space of like true compassion. Um, and I thought I would die an educator because I just love, love, love kids. I love education um, until I walked by this vacant space in DC and saw what became this spice shop that I didn't know I wanted to open. Um, I had no plan, no business plan, no money for it. So I thought, and I ended up like living a dream I didn't even know I had. And so now I've gone from an assistant principal to a spice girl in almost six years. Okay. So I need to know a little, we need to dig a little deeper on the spice girl moment. So you see a vacant shop, Lots of people pass by vacant shops, Angel, and say, oh, I wish someday I could open up something here. A you know, everybody wants to open up a restaurant or a little boutique. It takes, I mean, Amanda McClements, who owns uh, Little Leaf and uh, Salt and Sundry is a very good friend of mine. I mean, that's not something you just do. You're not just, you know, I'm so fabulous, I can do it. It's a lot of work. So you see this space, how did your idea come to mind? How did you decide what you wanted to do? And then how did you create it? It was the most serendipitous thing ever. I literally walked by the space. I called the landlord and I had never called to inquire about a commercial space before. I had owned mm -hmm. residential real estate. So I was a real estate investor, which was also random, just um, using refund checks from Howard to buy houses. And I kind of stumbled into that. Um, but I literally called the landlord and just inquired how much the space was. And he wouldn't tell me until I told him what I wanted to do with the space. And I didn't know yeah. that. I thought it was like an apartment. Like I call, you tell me the rent, I apply. Right. He's like, well, it depends on how you want to use the space. And I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. And he was like, well, we're looking to make a decision in a couple of days. Let me know. And I said, okay, okay, sir, I want to open a spice shop. Can you just tell me the price, please? And I literally hung up the phone and called my best friend who was a principal at the time. And this was about five weeks before school was starting. And I was like, yo, I'm opening a spice shop. And she was like, girl, where? Since when? It was first of all, it was spice what kind shop. of spices? What is what, that? What's right. the spice shop? What are you, where are you going to get the spices? And I was like, I don't know, but I just told the landlord. And she's like, the landlord. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. Like, just go with me on this one. And I literally reached out to this guy who I found out did logos that I went to high school with. He did the logo that is still my logo for $25. I found someone on Etsy who made a sign to put outside. The landlord happened to take a chance on me. Um, he didn't wow. ask me for a business plan. I still don't have one. He didn't ask for anything. And so I opened it. And now it's just kind of been on the job training. I've been teaching myself about spices by traveling the world for spices. I've been to about 26 different countries wow. um, for spices. So when I wanted to learn more about like curries, I went to Trinidad and India and Jamaica to learn about, you know, the different types of curries and spices. Mm -hmm. So I'm really learning as I go. I don't know all of it but I am having a lot of fun figuring it out well yeah I mean I want to travel the world and taste a bunch of spices too Angel so <laughs> I hear why it sounds so good for you so how did you decide to stock your spices once the store opens I mean you have an incredible aesthetic how did you decide on that aesthetic and then what did you decide you wanted actually in the store yeah, so when I first opened, my aesthetic was like whatever I could find on Craigslist in the thrift store. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's simple, right? Like whatever I could afford. If it, there was a couch, it was a hundred dollars. I have a hundred dollars. This is the couch. Over time, you know, as the money came in, I was able to kind of, you know, create a space that was more reflective of me and my style because I could afford to do so. But in terms of the spices, I was just like on Google, like wholesale spices. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Let's just bring those in. And that quickly, quickly changed. So after about a month of being there, this guy that I knew was telling me that he would send me some spices because he was in the military stationed in Kuwait. And he was like, there's spice soups all over the place here. I'm going to send you spices. And I was like, oh, great. I didn't know he meant like he would send me kilos and kilos of spices. And so Mm. at that point, I was like, I opened the packaging for the first time. And it was, you know, bags of spices and there were things like Duca and Razel Hanout and things that I'm very familiar with now, but I had no idea what these things were when I opened and I smelled it and I immediately knew that is what I needed to do. I was like, I will never find this on the internet. I need to go and find these spices. So I booked a trip to Puerto Rico to meet with a woman there because I found out that the only spice shop in Puerto Rico is owned by a woman and she's been Mm -hmm. there for over 20 plus years. And so I was like, I need to just lay eyes on her because she's going to give me like the confidence that I need to do whatever this space is going to do. I need to just get in front of her. And I just went to meet her. And from there, I went on all across the world. And she helped you? Was she like a mentor? No, I didn't even ask for her mentorship. I really just, for some reason, felt like I needed to see her. Like, I just needed to see that this has been done before because I didn't know about it. I didn't grow up going to spice shops. Um, There were other spice shops, of course, in D.C. at the time. And since um, we've opened, um, all of them have closed down. So we're now the only spice shop left in D.C., uh, which I'm grateful for. But I wasn't really going to her for mentorship. For some reason, I Googled and found her and I just felt like I needed to meet her. And we still keep in touch through social media, but I didn't go with like an interview, you know, with a bunch of questions. I just needed to stand in her space and feel Mm -hmm. the energy of it to know that like, this is possible. A woman can do this. That's amazing. I love that story. And so now six years later, your shop is open. Walk me through it. Take me through what it feels like in there, the kind of spaces you have there. What's, what's my experience coming in? So now, of course, with COVID, the experience has changed, right? Pre-COVID. Okay, let's, pre- let's do pre-COVID. Let's do pre-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So pre-COVID, it was like this super like hypersensual experience um, because you could smell spices, you can taste them. We had tester bottles for everything. We had a balsamic station where the bal- I went to Rome to like experience balsamic because I didn't know anything about it. So I went there to do a tasting and classes and figure out like what is real balsamic, like, and it's not the things that we're buying in the grocery store that are disguised as, you know, salad dressings. And I came mm-hmm. back and had these beautiful food seeds and you can taste them. And so now, of course, that element, that sensory element has been removed and that you can't taste it in store. But I've built up enough kind of brand integrity that folks trust that if I say that this cilantro lime balsamic is good, it's good. And if I say mm-hmm. that this adobo lime spice blend is good, you know, it's good. And so they trust me with it. But when you come in, it's still, um, it's still really like exciting and interesting because of the way the space feels and looks it doesn't look like a retail space right it is mm-hmm. um, my motto is food is fashion and I really treat the space like that I treat it like a closet I change things out seasonally um, I mix and match accessories and colors and the bottles don't necessarily match one another uh, because I just believe that you should have fun with things and you should have fun with food and because I'm not a trained chef like Andrew will probably come in and tell me that like this is not supposed to go with that and you just told this customer they can put that on lamb and that doesn't work but <laughs> I don't know the rules right so I'm just the girl who likes 
have to cook at home for my family. And so when customers ask me, like, what should I put on my chicken? I'm like, girl, I don't know you. I don't know what you want your chicken to taste like. But what, it tastes like nothing <laughs> until you put something on it, right? Because that's just right. how like we all cook at home. Like when you go mm -hmm. home, we don't have like a chicken section and a beef section and a lamb section in our spice cabinet. So I don't separate them that way in my store. And I know in most spice shops, they do. They're separated mm -hmm. by region or, you know, something differentiates them. And at the Spice Suite, it's literally like the most unorganized closet ever. You open it, the door and everything is there and you just decide what you want to wear. Because I'm that same girl who will put anything on my salmon in the same way that I wear sequins and Jordans to the Eastern market. Well, I, which I love. And I, <laughs> I will say to me, and I'm sure Chef, we can bring you in on that. Um, you know, like they say you're not supposed to drink white wine with fish. I mean, uh, red wine with fish. Mm -hmm. I like red wine with fish because that's what I like. So mm -hmm. there are rules, but I feel like they're made to be broken as a rule breaker myself. I'm really, I have um, self-diagnosed oppositional authority disorder. Um, if you tell me to go right, I'm going to go left. I can't help it. It's, it's, it's in me. Um, so chef, why don't you hop on for a second? And uh, what I'd love to know is, first of all, how did you and Angel find one another? And how do you work with Angel? Yeah, definitely. So um, we actually, we were working on the townhomes here. So recently we debuted these townhomes that are right across the street that we manage as well. They're, they're fantastic. Um, they're three levels, beautiful property. And um, I wanted to take the same philosophy that we had here in Cut and supporting the you know the community and, and outfit these houses these townhomes with um some of the same things so you know when we Wait, were can looking... i break in for a second chef are they mm -hmm. residential townhomes or are they townhomes that when people come and stay in the hotel they can stay in those instead of a hotel room you can do either or so you can actually have a long-term stay here which we've had where we've had people stay three or four months or you mm -hmm. can come and stay for a night and you want to do it vacation or if you just want to spend a couple days here um you know either way they're very versatile and it can be like your own home they're very much comfortable and you know you can have that same experience here okay so you how did you find angel well um we were one of the things we were looking to outfit the townhomes townhouses with were spices and making sure that we if you come and stay here that you have a lot of things you can just come and, and cook if you want to enjoy things and you know not leave if you don't if you don't want to so um as i was looking you know of course there's some go-to's and things that we can get in industry from other places but uh again i wanted to find like what's available here and literally i i, I got on and, and i started googling some like what's what's in dc um and and Angel popped up with Spice Street, and I was like, wow, this looks really interesting. And mm -hmm. I had to kind of get a hold of Angel and say, what, what's going on? What are you doing here? Because I saw what she was doing just, just by looking on the, the internet. And uh, once I connected and talked to her a little bit more, I was like, wow, this is really great. Like, we have to do something together, and we have to get you in here. And I think, you know, what she has is, is so unique. And, you know, once I went out to the store and saw all of the stuff she was doing and listened to her traveling and her passion for things and um, I thought it was fantastic and, um, you know, inspiring. And, um, you know, I really thought this would be something great and unique for people to come here and stay with us and feel like a local here in D.C. and offer them something that, you know, is, is unique. Well, I totally agree. Now, so, Angel, for you, 
was a collaboration like this something you were looking for or was it just like kismet like right place right time yeah, so we, I typically don't seek out like collaborations, um, not outside of the space. Like I open my mm -hmm. space and allow black small business owners to do pop-up shops in my store free of charge. Um, and mm -hmm. that's something we've done since we've opened. We've hosted over 450 pop-up shops to support wow. other small businesses. Um, and so like, I always feel like that's, that's a lot, right? Like I do a lot in terms yes. of collaboration in that space. Um, but when Andrew reached out, one, I love cut. Um, and Wolfgang Puck, so, you know, even though I'm not a chef, I'm still very much familiar with the brand. So I was excited about it. And to know that like Andrew reached out on his own, right? Like we both have assistants, I'm sure. But to know that he took the time to reach out to me, I don't know that he, you know, I don't even know that I've ever expressed that to him, but that just kind of meant a lot to me that he was actually doing the research to find someone and not just sending someone else off to just randomly Google and connect with someone. Um, that meant a lot. And I was excited and when he invited me down to cut and to go and see the town the townhomes they are super cute um and mm -hmm. awesome and as a dc native um i just love doing anything that keeps me further connected to other parts of the city especially parts of the city that i don't get to go into often i think as a dc mm -hmm. girl you know georgetown is always kind of notoriously known for being super dis um congested and busy so i think people who are from dc don't venture into georgetown often so it gave mm -hmm. me an excuse to want to go down so that was exciting and how did you curate the spices? Like, did you guys talk together about what to carry there? Because it yeah. sounds like your offering are so wide and varied. Um, so how did you two work together on that? Well, Andrew is clearly a professional. Like he knew what yeah. he needed. <laughs> like I sent him a list of, you know, I think it was a little back and forth. Like I sent a list of my suggestions and then he took that list and kind of cut it down. and was like, I think we should go with these. And then I think we, you know, tweaked the list, the list a little bit again. And then we mm -hmm. finally um, kind of sat on some items, but it also helped knowing that like he knew spices, like he didn't have to have experienced my spices in particular, but because he knows food and knows spices, he knew what made sense. So it was mm -hmm. super, super easy like it wasn't you know it didn't take us um, years to figure this out like it was a pretty quick um turnaround because I think we both were very clear like this is what I have this is what you need let's just connect mm -hmm. them and get them down to you quickly well so chef as a chef and sort of stocking these kitchens like a chef's kitchen would what kind of products were you looking for in there because I would assume given her varied offerings you weren't just looking to have oregano which it's nice, but I would assume you were looking to uh, up it a bit. Yeah, definitely. We wanted to do some things that were uh, exciting and, and bold. And, and you know, you, you're able to maybe uh, pique interest and, and maybe say, oh, you know what, that, that is interesting. Maybe I haven't thought about that and represent Angel as well and say, you know what, she is doing some really cool kind of combinations with some of her flavors. And, and then I tried to tie a few of them together. We make table side chimichurri here. It's kind of something that we're known for in the restaurant mm -hmm. when you order like the big tomahawk and Angel does a chimichurri kind of dry spice mixture. And so I was like, you know what, this would be a great marriage for the two. You have this version and that version. So it kind of connected the two, but also the other ones, I really wanted to make sure that, you know, things were, were unique, just to keep spice and acid and, and fun and kind of funky and not just like you said, oregano or chili flakes or, or right. I mean, not that there's. Like that. I mean, I put oregano in a lot of things. There's nothing wrong with sure. it, but I would assume that you would want to elevate that experience. Um, Angel, I just want to go back to you for a second. You mentioned a lot of pop-ups, and in my um, research on some of the things you're doing, it looks like you also carry a lot of also local products. Like if you see people in the uh, area who are doing hot sauces or things of that nature, it looks like you're looking to have local products there. Did I see that correctly? 
So in terms of the spice and food offerings, all, everything is proprietary. So all of those are my recipes. Those are my blends. Okay. Um, in terms of the other items that we have, um, those are carried by who we, I call Spice Girls. So I have 21 Spice Girls and the Spice Girls, um, while the name is a little bit deceptive, they don't sing and they don't make spices. Um, okay. They are Spice Girls because of the affiliation to the Spice Suite, um, but they make everything from jewelry to candles. They carry vintage clothing. So anytime you come by the Spice Suite, you'll get much more than spices. And I wanted that because I wanted to invite community into this space because when I first opened and it was me that was running the shop every day I didn't have time to kind of be out in the community in the ways that I was before like typically I'm volunteering a ton and I'm just being able to get back to that now that I have the Spice Girls who run the shop for me. Great. Well, I love the integration of that. I think that's amazing. Um, we are almost out of time because it always goes so fast. Chef, I would love if you could just sort of leave us with a couple of items that people can really look forward to um, at Cut that are coming up for you. Um, and then, of course, any social media handles and the address, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Come down and come down and see us. Um, we just really opened the rooftop recently, but the dining room is here seven days a week. Wait, we wait, wait, wait. Can we all get access to that rooftop? Because that rooftop is pretty fabulous. That's important. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely, for sure. Okay. Um, the rooftop is, is open from right now. We're doing Wednesday through Sunday. But um, come and join us in the dining room. We have some great seasonal stuff right now. Um, we have some, you know, one of the great things we have is this asparagus salad. We do pitor loni right now. We're featuring mm -hmm. grilled rockfish with uh, Indonesian sambal. And, you know, we're really kind of switching things up as we transition into the season. And summer's fast approaching. So you'll see a lot of things coming down the chain. Great. Can I get a, a handle for Instagram, please? Yeah. Follow us at CutDC. Excellent. Thank you, Chef. And thank you so much for introducing me to Angel. Angel, tell everybody, please where they can find you and uh, your handles and, and everything, please. Yep. So you can find us at the Spice Suite on Instagram and we're located in the Tacoma DC um, neighborhood. And we always have lots of fun offerings. My spice selection is really like my closet. We change things often. Right now we have, um, we're transitioning from creamed honeys to liquid honey because of the summer. Um, but we have fun things like peach champagne, pure maple syrups that we infuse. We have mango chili, jalapeno peppers, um, and a wide of, array of over 102 spice blends. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me today. Um, and I want to tell everybody that it's the Spice Suite, S-U-I-T-E, not S-W-E-E-T. Uh, and once you take a look at it, you'll totally understand why it all makes sense. Uh, I want to thank you both uh, for joining me so much. Well, I really appreciated that conversation uh, with both uh, Angel Gregorio and executive chef of Cut by Wolfgang Puck, Andrew Scala. Again, um, I always feel so fortunate that I get to bring these really interesting people together who do incredible collaborations um, and then share them with me and therefore you. So as always, thank you so much for joining me on Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis on Real Fun DC. Um, it's all good news out there, knock on wood. Uh, get vaccinated if you haven't, the appointments are available. You do still need to wear a mask and you should be hand sanitizing anyway, but uh, be patient and kind out there as these restaurants open. They are looking forward to having you back in, but they do need to prepare. So uh, be safe out there everybody and please have a delicious week.
Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Real Fun DC.